Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. Back, back in that day, if a king was going to take over some new territory, how many, you got some places in your life, you want to move into some new territory, you want to see, see some new things happen in your life. Well, in that day, when a king was wanting to move into some new territory, I mean, they, they would trust in chariots, they would trust in horses. This was their, their, their kind of their, they're flexing their, their power a little bit through how many horses and chariots they had, and they would deploy them to help them win some new territory. Whenever they were protecting territory, guarding territory, the enemy was threatening them or coming up against them. Well, they would trust in their chariots. They would trust in their horses. Back then, it was chariots and horses. Today, in, in our advancement and our protection, when we're trying to move into new areas and we're trying to protect old areas in our life, it's, it's not chariots and horses. Today, it's, you know, some trust, in, some trust in their bank accounts, but I trust in the name of the Lord my God. Some, some trust in politicians. Yeah, come on. Like, I know. And we, we trust this politician, you blew it. This politician, you blew it. You blew it. You, when are we going to come to the realization that we can't trust in politicians? We can't trust in policies. We can't, we can't legislate the things that people need inside of their heart and in their life. What they need is Jesus. They need to move the Holy Spirit of God in their life. They need to come alive on the inside. And I'm not trusting in policies to, to bring that about, right, what our world needs. So some are going to trust in bank accounts and economies. Some are going to trust in, in, in their own health and their charm, their connections. You see, that's, that's what others are doing. They're, they're trusted. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. We can keep our head lifted high. We can walk with confidence. We're going to be okay. Why? Because I'm not trusting in things that are, that are uh, not trustworthy. I'm not putting hope in things that are not hope worthy. You see, there's a lot of people putting hope in things that are not hope worthy. All the things we've listed, they're not hope worthy. And what happens is if you're putting your hope in something that's not hope worthy, it ends up not producing, and now you no longer have hope, and you're walking around hopeless. Friend, you don't have to be hopeless. The solution to your hopelessness is to place your hope in him who is hope worthy. His name is Jesus. He's God, Elohim, we looked at last week. See, some are trusting in all of this stuff. All the things that the world is going to offer and all, all the things that are going to tempt you to put your hope in them. Because I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to put my trust in the name. Someone say the name. The name, the name of the Lord of God. Now, why is the name of God important? Well, in our understanding of a name, we use a name to identify somebody. But in the Old Testament, they would use a name not to just identify somebody, but to describe somebody. Your name didn't just identify you. It described your character. It described who you were, what you stood for. You see, so a name meant a whole lot more than, than your identity. So when God is revealing his name... He's revealing to us what he wants you to know him by, not just as in call him by, but experience him by. Yeah, yeah. To know God's name in the Old Testament didn't mean that you can just call out his name intellectually, meant that you had experienced his name interactionally. Like, I know his name. We're going to get to it in a couple weeks, but we're going to get to the name uh, Jehovah Jireh, our Lord, our provider. It sounds like a rap. Come on, somebody. Jehovah Jireh. Okay, we're going to go there. 
Jehovah Jireh, medicine kicking in. Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> Lord our provider. Now, you can know that name by saying that name, but the Old Testament, what they, when they said they know the name of God, it's because they'd experienced that name. Like, I know he is God provider. Why? Because I've seen him provide. Yeah. I've lived through it. I've watched. I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I know all about the fact that God is his provider. And so what God was doing in the Old Testament is he's revealing his character to us so that we can learn to live within the context of his character. One of the biggest problems we face right now in modern day Christianity is that we don't know the names of God and therefore we don't know, we don't live within the context of his character. We don't know how to invoke his character, lean on his character because we have forgotten his character. We don't know his character. We know God based on what we think, not based on how God has chosen to reveal himself. And what I'm trying to do in this series is get us to a place. Come on, let's go learn about how God has revealed himself. Because if you are left to your own whims, and what it is you think about God, I'm going to tell you it's a distorted view of God. Because your view of God is going to be predicated upon and based on your own hurts or your wounds, your own insecurities, what this church did to me and they said about me and what I think. And, and you can run down that path all day long, but what you get is a distorted view of God. And therefore, you're putting your hope not in or trust not in God as who he says he is, but God as who you think he is. And you will always walk a distorted path, a crooked path, when you're walking a path trusting in God less than who he actually is. Is this all making sense, everybody? Are you coming along the journey with me? And so what the psalmist is saying is some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but I'm going to choose to trust in God as he has revealed himself. I'm going to choose to trust in who God says he is, not who I think he is, but who God says he is. They would, Old Testament saints, they would um, call upon the name of God. What they were doing is basically saying, I'm throwing the weight of my life upon who God says he is. I'm, I'm saying, God, um, you say you're a provider Therefore, I'm going to trust you to provide. And by the way, God, if you don't provide, I mean, this is, this is like your, your name's at stake here. God, so like you're going to provide, right? Because that's who you are. And so I'm going to invoke the name of God. I'm going to trust in the name of God. I'm going to lean on the name of God. And every time you do, you'll find that God is faithful. He is consistent. When you get yourself to this place where you just trust, just trust God. Listen to what Joel chapter 2 verses 32 say. Uh, says, says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who does what? Who calls on the name of the Lord. Everyone who, who leans on the name of the Lord, watch, shall be saved. You lean on God as he says he is. You lean on who he is. You're going to be okay. You with me, everybody? You're going to be all right. And so we got to learn these, these names of God. Like how did God... How did God reveal himself? How does he want us to know him? How does he want us to experience him? Um, what's his character like? And we, we learn his character in these names of God. And so we looked at the first one together. Remember, it was Elohim. Someone say Elohim. Elohim. We, and, and what we learned is that the El and Elohim, is, it meant a, a, a uh, spiritual entity. You know, there was lots of Elohim. Lots, and what you, what you um, did is that you, you knew Elohim not by name, because there's lots of Elohims, but by what they did. And so 
the word of God comes to a world that had all these false gods, all these Elohims, with, with a, these lords with a lowercase l, gods with a lowercase g. And God shows up and says that I am the Lord of lords. In other words, I'm the Elohim of Elohims, right? Well, what makes, who, who do you think you are walking in the room and declaring that you are the Elohim of Elohims? Well, you would know an Elohim by what they did. And what does Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 tell us? In the beginning, Elohim, here's what he did. He created the heavens and the earth. In other words, everything you live in, everything you experience on, on earth and in heaven was created, spoken to existence by this God that we are talking about, by God. And therefore, listen, if he created it all, he is therefore over it all, in charge of it all, judge of it all, ruler of it all. He is all in all, you see, because he's Elohim. Oh, come on, I'm going to preach last week's message. Okay. This week, I want to show you some, so we're going to move into some compounds of this L. So Elohim, and then you have today, write it down. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. We're going to learn a lot. We're going to walk out of here different than we came in, knowing a little bit more about who God is. In this name that he gave us, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El Shaddai is the name that God gave us that means Almighty. It's the idea, El Shaddai, Shaddai, so God who is almighty. It's the idea of this unstoppable power, right? So almighty. When, when the almighty intends to accomplish something, nothing, right. come on, listen to me, nothing can stand in his way. Because right. he's almighty. Like, he's Elohim who spoke it all into existence now is going to work within the context of what he created. And the creation cannot rise up against the creator. He is over it all. If he decides it's going to move, it's going to move. If he decides that he's going to pay the bills a different way, he'll pay the bills a different way. If he decides that he's got somebody, he's going to have somebody for you. He decides he's going to, like God is just going to do what God's going to do because he's God. Like Elohim. Now, Elohim, who is now El Shaddai, he's over it all. But now watch, El Shaddai starts to direct it all, all that power, all that force, all that energy, all that might, all that unstoppableness of God. El Shaddai captures this idea that he's directing it toward you and toward you and toward you. You see, the root word for Shaddai means to pour out, to pour out. So God could have just created it all, flex a little bit, boom done. And that could have been, that's fine. Let's just let that be that. But what God now does, he goes, I'm not just going to do this. I'm going to take all that strength and energy and channel it, El Shaddai, toward, toward my creation, toward my, the ones that I love, the ones that I've chosen, the ones that I have my eye upon. I'm going to work on their behalf, you see. So El Shaddai carries with it this idea of almighty God at work on your behalf. It's God Almighty directing his unstoppable power toward the benefit of his people for their good and for his glory. I mean, he's going to get some glory out of this. He's going to work on for your good and it's going to bring him glory. He therefore becomes for his people, the other meaning, what this came to be known as, he becomes for his people all they could ever need, or our sufficiency. So the other name or other 
way you would describe El Shaddai is the all-sufficient one, meaning he's all I need. Why? Because he's all-powerful, he's almighty, and he's using all that power and that might to work on my behalf for my good and for his glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, we're done. We can pray. We go home. Is that good? I mean, you just need to know that. But we'll dig in a little bit. God is all-sufficient, right? He's all, he's all sufficient. He's, he's all you need. And I, I love that idea of sufficiency, of God being sufficient, because, I mean, we, we often live with, um, and we know all too well, insufficient, right? Anyone feel, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but you feel like I'm a little in, I'm insufficient. Like, we all have these insecurities that are constantly whispering at us that you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not loved enough, you're not creative enough, you're not caring enough, you're, you're, you know, you're not strong enough. Like, it's on and on of all these things that, that we're not enough of. We, we know all of these insufficiencies. We know them so well. We're so close. I mean, like, we, got, we got insufficient strength. We got, we got insufficient creativity. We got insufficient funds. Come on, anybody got some insufficient funds? You know, you're like, you're really worried to, to go ahead and move forward with the purchase because you don't know if you got enough money to purchase the thing you want to purchase. You don't want to see that little insufficient funds button. I mean, you go back to the old day. Remember, you'd write checks for things. And if they thought you were, they thought you were kind of fishy, they'd run everybody else's check. But when it got to you, they'd look at you and then they'd run it through that little machine. Do you remember they had the little machine? And that little machine was checking to see if you had the funds to cover what you wrote the check for. And you sat there nervous, sweating all over yourself because you're hoping that the check you deposited is actually cash. So that, come on, what are they doing? They're checking to see if you actually have the sufficiency to cover it is what it is you need to cover. Big old line at Walmart waiting on Tate and I as we're up there sweating on ourselves, wondering if we're going to be able to pay for it. Well, El Shaddai shows up to every single one of us who have ever thought, I'm not enough. I, I'm not sufficient. I, I, I'm not... Man, I, I don't know if I can raise these kids. I don't, I, I don't know if I got what it takes to keep up with what I need to keep up with at work. I don't, I don't know if I could man, strike a good balance of work and life and life and work. And I don't, I don't, know, if I, I don't know if I have what it takes. I, 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 I'm doubt, well, the El Shaddai shows up to every one of you. Every one of us who've ever sat in that place of insufficiency. And El Shaddai shows up and goes, this isn't about your sufficiency. It's about the fact that I am sufficient. And if you would learn to let me be your sufficiency, you would find that you actually have all the sufficiency you could ever hope for because you see, this isn't about you, it's about me. It's not about you being enough. Are you trying enough? Are you, it's about you allowing me to be enough. See, when you have me, God would say, El Shaddai, you got enough. Why? Because he's almighty, all-powerful, and he is choosing Shaddai to pour that out on your behalf, to work on your behalf for your good, for his glory. I've got enough. I got all I need. What I want to do in these, with these names is show you the first, it's first mention. It's, we call it, when you study the Bible, you, it's the law of first mention. Whenever you're studying a new word or a new concept, you want to go in Scripture to the spot where it's first mentioned because when you see it first mentioned, that name or that thought first brought about, it, 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 it's important to study that because the first mention is laying the foundation for how now you are to understand that thought or that word, that concept throughout the entirety of Scripture. It gives you really good keys to understanding that. That makes sense? Yeah. So I want to take you back 
to where El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God, first shows up in Scripture. In the very first spot it shows up in Scripture, if you have your Bibles over, in Genesis chapter 17. Let's dig into this word a little bit, what it, in the, this revelation of God and what it means for us. Genesis 17, verses 1 and 2, says this. When Abraham was 99 years old, Abraham, he's lived some life. Come on, Abraham, he's old. And it says, when he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, or God Almighty. Now watch what he tells him. Walk before me and be faithful and be blameless. Then, then when? Then when you walk before me faithfully, true, blamelessly, then I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase in your numbers. Now, I just read you something out of Old Testament. You have no context. You have no, and it's like, okay, that sounds like a good Bible verse where God's revealing himself. What I want to do over the next couple moments is take you back. Can you, you guys are going to come back with me for a second to understand the importance of this verse and understand the, what it is that the significance of El Shaddai when God's revealing himself in this moment. But I want you to remember it. Okay, remember the verse. But now come back with me. You're, you're probably more familiar with Abram's God-given name, Abraham, okay? But before he became Abraham, he was Abram, So God's speaking to you in Genesis 17. And we got a problem because Abram, Abram, the name means, remember, names are important, Old Testament, names are important. Like, his name means exalted father. It's a great name, exalted father. The problem is he got no kids. It's a problem. So there's this tension in Abram's life. There's always been this tension in Abram's life. Every time someone called his name, he was reminded of the gap between where he was and where he was meant to be. Every time someone called his name, he was reminded of this gap between what he was in the moment and what he believed he could become. Every time he felt insufficient. Every time he felt like there was there's something wrong, there's, 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 there's got to be more. See, what was in him didn't match what was going on around him. Follow this. What was in him didn't match what's going on around him. He, he always felt like he wasn't living up to his name. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't living up to what was actually inside of him because based upon everything around him. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something right now, principle right off the, off the bat. You cannot judge what's inside of you based on what's around you. You cannot begin to believe what's inside of you based upon everything that's happening around you because everything's happening around you is gonna tell you you will never be what it is that's, that's, that's spoken over you. You will never, Abram, you will never become father of many nations because look at you. Look at what's around you. You're seven, you're, how old are you? 99 in the moment that God talks to him here. You're, you're never going to be. And some of us start to judge what's inside us based upon what's around us. But you actually know, come on, follow me here. You know deep down inside that there, there's more for you yeah. than what's around you. You following me? 
that there's something spoken over me. There's something I desire. There's, there's something that I believe God has for me. But when I look around, it's not making sense. But, but when I look in and when I, when I look at, I, I feel like there's more. So what is it for you? Like what's ahead of you? What, what do you believe God's spoken over you? For some of you, it's, it's freedom. God's spoken freedom over you. Freedom from addiction. You're not free right now. Circumstances don't look like it's going in that direction. But, but you know deep down inside that God's got more. I'm not going to be stuck here forever. I'm going to be free someday. Amen. Some of you, you know that there's a, there's a little attitude you've been wrestling with for a really long time. Like you're really impatient with people. And you, yeah, come on, you're with me. Somebody, somebody can, somebody can. I got a testimony in the room, right? Like, you, 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 like, you know, you're impatient with people. And, and you just know, man, I, 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 there's more for me. Like, I, I don't have to be like this. I don't have to be so short-tempered and people walking on eggshells around me. I, I believe God is going to grow me. God's going to mature me. That, that God's got better for me. You got, I, got, I got some freedom from this, from this attitude. It's in my future. I believe it. No, I, I have to be careful not to judge what's in me based on what's around me because what's around me right now is I still keep failing. What's around me right now is I, I still keep falling. I still, I keep messing up. But, but I just got to I, I, I hold on to what I believe is, is still ahead of me, right? I believe God's gonna make me kind. Some of us, you know, we've been withdrawn, but we, we believe God's gonna make us bold, right? What do you got inside of you? What's, what's on your life? What's ahead of you? Some of you got, listen, you have ministry inside of you. Some of you have a business inside of you, a, a, a business adventure God's going to bring through your life, ministries that God is going to birth through your life. Some of you have got a, a greater legacy inside of you. Come on. You think, you think you've just been working that hairstyle job just so you could pay the bills, but God is going to, he wants to actually push you into a realm where you realize God is using this to not just pay the bills, but to help change lives because he's using me when I got your attention sitting in that seat for however long to give you some truth and some hope and some gospel. You see, I got a legacy inside of me. And now all of a sudden people are coming to me not to just get their hair cut, but to get inspired and around the things of God. You see, because there's more inside of me. And I'm starting to dream a little bit about what, come on, you with me about what could be. Hey, I'm at the, the school and I'm working and I'm teaching and I'm not at a Christian school, like some of my friends are, I'm, I'm at a secular school. Nowadays, it's hard to know, like kids are struggling at all the schools, but you're a teacher, and you're thinking you're just a teacher to pay the bills. But God's going, no, I got more for you. There's, there's a name I've spoken over you that says you're going to leave a legacy. You're going to leave a mark on that campus. You're going to leave a, a legacy with your coworkers. You're going to change the environment. I put you there for such a time as this. Oh, you might look around right now and try to judge it and go, it doesn't look like what I know it could look like. But don't judge what's inside of you based on what's around you. When you feel like you're not yet living up to what's been spoken over you, it's not time to give up. It's time to learn the name El Shaddai. It's time to trust God, the one who's all sufficient. You see, when you feel like you don't got what it takes to get things to where they need to be, God shows up the one, as the one who has all it takes. And so what you have got to learn to do is to transition from watch me, God, to, Lord, I'm just going to get out of your way. 
Lord, Lord, how do you want to work in this? Lord, well, I'm, I'm just going to keep pressing into you, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but you're going to hang with me, right? So God shows up to Abram. His name means exalted father. It's spoken over him, but yet he's not yet living in it. And then if you go back, before you get to Genesis 17, you go back in history a little bit, uh, back on the timeline a little bit, and you go over to Genesis chapter 11 and 12. Well, in Genesis 11 and 12, we're first introduced to, to Abram, the exalted father who has no kids. In Genesis 11 and 12, and God shows up and says, Abram, I'm gonna take you on a journey. And he says, God, where are we going? And God says, I'll show you when we get there. You'll know when you get there. Well, about you, I don't like that idea. Like, if you're gonna get me to leave the place I grew up, leave the place that's comfortable, leave that all I've ever known, and journey somewhere else, you better tell me where the somewhere else is so I could put it in my maps and I could come up with a route, find a quicker way. Come on, right? You know what I mean? Compare, compare my Apple you know, app to, to Waze and see which one's gonna get me there a little quicker, right? And I'm gonna do all of that. But God says, no, I'm not gonna tell you where we're going. What was the intention? It was so that Abraham wouldn't try to get to where he was going without God who was going to lead him to where they were going. God's intention was that Abraham, as he would move forward in this journey, would just stay close to God. Just keep walking with God. So he says, I'm going to tell you when we get there. And now, when God said, when we get there, um, this promise is going to be lived out over your life. You will become the father of many Nations. Remember, no kids, 70 years old. Sarah, his wife, that this promise is meant to come through, she's 60 at the time. You know, and so this must have sounded so crazy. God, I'm, I'm now 70 years old. My name, my whole life has been Father, Exalted Father. I have no kids. And now you're telling me if I'll follow you on this journey, you're going to fulfill, you're going to bring me into my namesake. To, but my job is just to follow you to a place where we, I don't even know where we're going, and that's how you're going to bring this all about. God, uh, all right, I mean, I mean, the odds seem a little stacked against us, but I'm, I'm going to trust you. I mean, we are 70, we are, but I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, we gotta, we're still kicking, right? They, we, we got a little something to offer, I guess, and let's go. So they set out on their way. Well, then you get to Genesis 16. Genesis 16 Abraham is now 15 years into his journey. Okay, so now you do the math. He's 85. She's 75. And they're beginning to question God's promise. They're beginning to doubt what it is that God spoke over them. And so in their doubt, watch this, they start to, they start to get a little creative. They start to try to figure out how to do this on their own. They, they decide that God's gonna need a little help. You see, they're like, God, we stepped out, we trusted you, we, you, know, you said you were going to, and we don't, you haven't done it the way that we thought you would do it, and therefore, we're gonna, we're gonna help things out. And so, Sarah says to Abram in Genesis chapter 16, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Isn't that sad? Look, at, look listen to me. God spoke over her, and and her husband, that they were going to have many nations come through them. But here she's in a place where she's like, it's not going to happen. It, 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 it's not going to happen through me. It's not going to happen through my life. She's doubting all of it. And because she's doubting, what is she doubting? She's doubting that God is actually going to hold true to his word, that God is sufficient 
because she's doubting, she decides to get a little tricky. Do you know what happens when you start to doubt what it is God's spoke? You start to get tricky too. You start to take matters into your own hands, kind of do it your own way. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 2, he says, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I. See that? Perhaps what? I. Not perhaps God will. Not perhaps. No. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Perhaps I can make this happen. If God's not going to do it, perhaps I can make it happen. Perhaps I could force it in, into, into, into the way I think it needs to be. Abraham, God, God's obviously unaware that my clock is ticking. I mean, your time is obviously running out. And so we got to watch. Stop trusting God. Here's the, here's the shift. We're going to stop trusting God and start relying on ourselves. We're going to stop leaning into him and start leaning into us. We're going to stop doing what he told us to do and keep walking with him, journey with him, staying by him, you know, cruising with him. And we're, we're going to kind of find our own way of doing things because this is obviously not working. It's not, not going the way we thought it should go. And so they start to scheme and they do their own thing. Well, the story goes that Hagar has a son and names him Ishmael. And if you know the story, there's all sorts of family tension and drama. There's strife that comes because of that decision to not just stay close to God, to trust God and to stay in his way. And there's all sorts of mess. Anytime you step outside of just staying close to God, it's always gonna produce a mess. God in his grace can redeem the mess and he does with Ishmael. But they got off track a little bit. And then we get to Genesis 17. Genesis 17, Abraham's 99, Sarah's 89. It's been 30 years, everybody, since they left Ur. 30 years since they left Ur to follow after God, to just keep walking with him. And now they have lost hope. There's no possible way. If the odds were bad before, now it's game over. There's no way this is gonna happen. And it's here that God chooses to show up and reveal himself. Why? Because friends, in those 30 years, something was taking place inside the heart of Abraham and inside of Sarah that needs to take place inside of us. Abraham and Sarah came to the end of themselves. Abraham finally came to the spot where instead of thinking, well, maybe I can do this and maybe we could pull it off and maybe we still got it in us and maybe he came to the spot and goes, I, it's just impossible with me. Sarah, Sarah's got no more tricks. She got no more ideas. She got no more, hey, why, why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? What if we scheme this? What if we, what if we just kind of lie a little on that or, or kind of get creative in our financing? Or what if we get, none of that, none of that. They're, they're done. Like, they've, they've got no more tricks up their sleeve. And now they find themselves in complete desperation of if this is going to happen, it's not going to happen because we made it happen. If this is going to happen, God of heaven has just got to speak it into existence. And they're at that place. And when they were at that place, someone say that place. When they were at that place, God shows up. In Genesis 17, once again, when he was 99 years old. And the Lord appears to him and says, Abram, I know that you thought you were sufficient. I know that you had a dream in your heart, and you had a, a word spoken over you. I, I know your name's exalted father. I, 
I know you know there's freedom inside of you. I, I know you know there's more for you. I know you know there's a greater legacy ahead of you. I, I, I know you know there's a ministry inside of you, a business. I, I know you know those, that those things are inside of you. Abraham, I, I know you've been trying, and I know you've been striving, and I know you've been getting to the spot where you were tricking, and you were twisting, and you were plotting, and you were scheming. But Abraham, you done? Because if you're done, I want to I reintroduce myself to you. See, I see if I, if I showed you this before, I don't, I think it would have, I don't think it would have allowed the full implications of what I'm trying to teach you to actually sit on you. But now that you're here and you're desperate and you're hopeless and you just don't see any other way, now that you're at this place, can I reintroduce myself to you? Oh, Abram, by the way, my name, now that you know that you're insufficient, my name is all sufficient. Come on, my name, when you, when you finally realize that you're, you don't have enough, my name is, I am enough. Hey, what, now that you've realized you can't work it out, my name is, I am working it out. Nate, now that you are broke, my name is, I'm rich. Now that you're empty, I want to introduce you to the one, my name, fullness. See, Abram, I, I needed you to get here so that you could finally realize that this isn't about you and your schemes and your agenda and your tricks and your strength and your might and your power and your good looks and your bank account and your politicians and your, it's not about any of, it's, it's all about you getting to this place. You want to see me move? You want to see this happen in your life? You come to this place. And when you come to this place, I'm going to move you to that place. But I can't move you to that place until you get to this place. It took him 30 years. And God shows up and goes, my name, not your name. My name is El Shaddai. All sufficient, all you need, more than enough. So what's that mean for us today? I want, to write, I want you to write two things down. First one is this. It means you can, you can stand in confidence. Are you right? I walk in confidence. I can stand in confidence. When I know that he is El Shaddai, watch. See, a Abraham got into trouble because he lost confidence in God. You follow what I'm saying? He started, he was walking with God, trusting God, but after it took a long time, he was going, I, I, I'm kind of losing confidence in God. When you understand that he's El Shaddai, listen, you stand in confidence. I don't have to doubt. I don't have to waver. I don't have to lose hope. I can walk in confidence. Why? Because my confidence is not in me. It's in him who is for me. It is in him who is beyond me. You see, I can walk in confidence because El Shaddai is working on my behalf. God who created the heavens and earth is pouring himself out for my good and his glory. Now, I'm walking around a little bit different today. Why? Because God is working on my behalf today. Oh, you don't see it. You don't see it the way you want to see it. But I tell you, he's doing it. Well, it's been 15 years. It hasn't happened in that time. If it hasn't happened in that time, it's because God didn't intend for it to happen in that time. He's got a different time, and I'm just waiting on his time. He's still going to do it. Yeah. See, he's working, I, and I can just stay confident. And all the things that try to lie to me and get me to doubt what it is God's spoken over me and what God has for me, all those things, I can look at him and go, just shut your mouth. Yeah. 
because he's El Shaddai. And if I start listening to those things, you know what I start to do? I do exactly what Abraham did, or Abram did, because the name wasn't Abraham yet. Abram did, I start getting creative. I start getting, you know, desperate not for God, but desperate for this thing to work and that trick and this thing. And you're out there stressing and sweating all over yourself. And God's going, are we done yet? See, when are you going to learn to just come and have confidence? It's all going to be good. Well, don't you see what the politicians did? Don't you see what happened? Don't you know you've tried to get a building like 19 times and it hasn't happened yet? And don't you know? And aren't you sweating on this? No, I'm not. Why else should I? He, if he hasn't done it now, it's because he got something better for me then. See, I have that kind of confidence. I really do. This is what Paul was after. When Paul in, in, in Philippians, he knew El Shaddai. He knew that God wasn't just, just powerful, but God was pouring out that Shaddai. Pour out, he was pouring that power out for, for, for him, right? When he said this in Philippians 1.6, I'm confident. There it is. He's what? Confident. The effects of knowing El Shaddai, you're com- you walk with your head up. I'm confident. Why are you so confident? I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What is that? That is Paul explaining to you El Shaddai, who is at work in you to do the work he wants to do in you and will accomplish it in you until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, he's not going to stop working on behalf of his kids. So he's confident. Come on. I want you to walk out of here with this today. You're confident. Not because you're confident in yourself. Not like, God, watch me. Here we go. But I'm confident. Why? Because, because he's, he's trustworthy. Because he's almighty. So confident means you just got to make friends with the fact that God's working all things out for your good and his glory. It, it, confident means I don't fight the fact. I trust the fact. I'm comfortable with it. I'm not wrestling with the fact. I'm actually resting. Come on. Resting. Some of you need a rest. You're striving. God wants you resting in the fact that he's working. That's what Paul had. That's what God was trying to teach Abram. Just rest in me. Stop all these little tricks and all this stuff. Stop going off course. Stop thinking that you need me and. Oh, gosh, we live in a world that's like, I want some God and. I want church and. Holiness and. Fill in the blank with everything else. You keep trying to live your life with God and church and holiness and, and you're just going to end up with, with not what God intended. You're off course. You're doing your own thing. You're getting tricky. Like, God says, all you need is me. Just walk in that confidence. Paul says, I'm confident. Now, write this down. That God is moving everything toward his good thing and no thing can get in his way. He's moving everything toward his good thing and no thing can get in his way. Amen? Amen? Let me give you one more verse on this. Philippians 1.19, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation, according to my earnest expectation, according to what? My earnest expectation. That and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all bold. Listen to Paul. My goodness, everybody, come on. I know we're going to close here. Paul's just like, it's all going to be okay. Why? The saints are praying. God by his spirit is going to be moving. And it's all going to work out according to my earnest expectation and hope. 
In other words, it's going to be throttled by my earnest expectation and hope. Paul, are you saying if you didn't have an earnest expectation and hope that you wouldn't then experience everything that God was hoping to bring about or wanting to bring about in your life? Paul says there's actually this connection, you see, between the fact that God is working and me lifting the cells of my life to catch what it is he's doing. If I'm going to walk around all day long without confidence and like, oh, man, woe is me and I can't believe, and you're losing hope, you're going to you're, you start scheming. You're going to have yourself an Ishmael. Like, why, did, why did Abraham go to the point where he has an Ishmael? Because, because he didn't, his earnest expectation and hope, he just lost it. I don't have that. I'm just like, now I'm going to this, I'm going to try that, and he's messing everything up. But Paul goes, no, 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 look, look, I'm going to experience the goodness of God because I'm expecting the goodness of God. And because I'm expecting the goodness of God, it's not coming to me because I'm expecting it. It's coming because it's already happening. I'm just going to catch it. Right? The sailboat out in the middle of the ocean could have its sail down. Winds blowing all around. God is working all around. Spirit of God is doing this and doing that. And like moving all day long. There's always the energy. There's always the, the ability. But if that sailboat has its sail down, it's going nowhere. Somebody came in today with a sail down. <sighs> now you're, you're, you're out there. You got to paddle. <sighs> God's just going, you can paddle all day long. You could Ishmael all day long. You could, you could reroute all day long. You can all day long. But I got a better idea. Why don't you lift your earnest expectation and hope, throw your paddles in that ocean, cut ties with all of your way, and let me just get you where you need to be. See, your earnest, I can walk. You need that, that confidence, amen, that confidence. You see what God's inviting you into here? Like you can sit on the sidelines, wiped out by what has happened, what hasn't happened. You get stuck, stuck in your funk, stuck in your sidelines, stuck in the problems, stuck in the past, stuck in your circumstance. Stuck. But God says, no, no, lift your sails. Can I introduce you to El Shaddai? You need to start walking with some confidence. God is going to work this out, even though it might not look like what I want it to look like. I'm still not going to doubt God's sufficiency. Amen? And as the team comes out, amen, one in the back, amen. Let me land you on this thought as the worship team comes out. What, what, is it, what else does this mean that he's our El Shaddai? It means for me, I can stand in confidence. Come on, walk out of here with that today. God loves you. He's working. He hasn't forgotten about you. But here's what else it means. What, it, what else it means it means that you need to live in dependence. Because you could walk in confidence when you're living in dependence. But if you're not living in dependence upon God, then you can't walk in confidence. Because you see, it's my dependence that allows me to engage with his goodness. I need to live in dependence. Do you notice what Abraham told God as we look at one more time? Genesis 17, I am God Almighty. Here's your job. Here's your job, Abram. Walk before me. Abram, just walk before me. Stay in step with me. What does it mean? Stay in sync with me. Stay close to me. Don't, don't take other routes. Don't go other ways. Don't scheme. Don't strive. Don't just walk with me or walk before me. Watch. 
faithfully and blamelessly. What, is that, what does that mean? It, it means that you walk before him completely, uncompromised. Like wholeness, not halfness. Come on, wholeness. I'm walking with you with my whole heart, not half my, half, half trust in you, half trust in this. Half trust in you, half, no. Walk before me wholly and blameless. Then, then he says, my covenant, then I will make my covenant between you and me, and I will greatly increase your numbers. Then, when you're desperate for me, when you're relying upon me, when you throw the full weight of your confidence in me, then, when you're staying close to me, then I'll bring it about. When you're at the end of yourself, you'll discover the beginning of him. When you've come to the end of yourself, begin to experience him. Abraham, would you, Abraham, would you just keep trusting and depending and turning and relying? You know, the level of our desperation for God is gonna drive the level of our, of our experience with God. I said it again, because I think it went over you, and I know we're closing your brains, but the level of your expectation or your dependency, your desperation for God will drive the level of your experience with God. You know, when we planted Citizens Church, we were desperate because there was nothing. Tate and I left Orange County and everything was great there and church was doing fine. We had money and savings at the church and it just felt comfortable, but God called us out on a little journey. We left our own ur, so to speak, and went out journeying with God. And when we got here, we were desperate. Like, God, please let people show up. God, please, please send people. Please send leaders. Please please send a, a place to meet. God, please send money. God, send money. We're going to need money. Lord, just send, like, please, 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 God, please. We're just desperate. Because I was so desperate, I was crying out to God. I'm praying every day these desperate prayers. When's the last time you prayed some desperate prayers? Like, we're just desperate. Like, God, please. Like, everything. I pushed it. It's all on the line. Like, if you don't show up, we're out on a limb here, God. If you don't show up, I don't know what we're going to do. God, I'm desperate for you. And you know what happened? God showed up. Yeah. We have a church today because God showed up. We have a, we have a place to meet today because God showed up. We have people serving because God showed up. Like God showed up. You know what it all came out of? Not, all that came out of not our ability to make things happen. It came out, it came out of our desperation for God to do it. And God shows up and he did it. We were desperate for God back then. Do you know I woke up this morning is desperate for God? Came into church and they're telling me about all the stuff is unplugged and this happened. I'm just desperate for God. Like God just should be desperate for you. We can't lose our desperation. You know a good litmus test to your desperation for God? It's your prayer life. You know, because I could talk to you about, man, I really want to see God do this. I'm desperate. But man, if I'm not before God, desperately crying out for him to move in the places where I need to see him move, I'm not really desperate for God. Because when you're desperate for God, you're crying out to God with everything inside of you. And when you get to that place, God shows up to those who are desperate and says, I want to introduce you to somebody. I want you to get to know me again. My name is El Shaddai. I reveal myself as the all-sufficient to the ones who finally realize that they have no insufficient, no sufficiency in themselves. I'm going to introduce myself to you. When you get to that place. Just be broken. Pour yourself out and I'll pour myself in. But I won't pour myself in until you pour yourself out. El Shaddai. You engage with El Shaddai. 
in the path of your brokenness before El Shaddai. Make sense? Yeah. Do you know what the, the, uh, the sign of that covenant was between God and Abram? It was, uh, it was called circumcision. Circumcision was a cutting away of the flesh. The flesh in scripture represents you minus God, it's you, your ability, your strength, your might, your power, your scheming, your conniving, you, it represents you. And God says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to produce in you, I'm going to work in you, I'm going to show up and show off through you when you stop trusting you. And so the sign of my covenant with you is the sign of you walking faithfully before me and me working in you as you walk with me is going to be you cutting away your flesh, cutting away the trust in yourself trust in this, the trust in that. And if you just remember, I am marked by a cutting away of not trusting self, but dependency upon El Shaddai. And in that moment, God changed his name. His name was Abram. God made his name Abraham. Abraham. It's the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and it looks like this. The top is Abram. The bottom is Abraham. That fifth letter is the Hebrew word. You can look it up. It's called hey, hey. And you can't even say that without breathing out. Hey, that's what it meant. Pour out, breathe out, get it out. Genesis 1, when God is creating this symbol, this fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, it's all over the place. God spoke the world into existence. God, it's all, it's God breathing out and out of his breath comes everything that there is. Everything that would ever be. Watch this. Now God takes Abram and makes him Abraham by placing that fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet right in the middle of his name. And so now he can't even say his name without breathing out. He can't say his name without emptying himself of himself so that then he could breathe in everything that God breathed out. He's gonna breathe out all of himself so he could breathe in all of God and who he is and what he has. And God would teach him to live, breathing out and breathing in, breathing out and experiencing El Shaddai. The ancient pictograph for that letter, the Hebrew ancient pictograph, before it's drawn the way it's drawn, and. Google me, you don't believe it. Right here. This is what it is. That's the ancient pictograph for the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet that God put in the middle of Abraham's name. Boy, you're just going to learn to surrender if you're ever going to experience my sufficiency. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Amen.